Hey guys, welcome to the Cultivate and Keep podcast. I'm Jeremy and this is Corey and this is where we talk about what we are learning, what we are studying in the Bible and what is new with our businesses. What's up, dude? Yo, what's happening, man? You look pretty good on the screen. You look better in person, but I, I'm digging the whole remote <laughs> uh, remote recording. It's good. Thanks, man. Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm going to upgrade my my audio video setup here pretty soon. Um, I get, I get some pretty good natural light, but sometimes it turns out like I just like get completely whitewashed in my pale skin and there's like too much light coming through. And right now it's a little bit later too. So like the lighting starts to get funky when it gets dark. What are you going to upgrade to? Like I'm a, get, um, just like a light and all that kind of stuff. No, just like a, an extra lighting thing. Cause the lighting in our, in our place is really weird. We just have like in each one, room, right? there's just one yeah. corner, like uh, ceiling lamp that's like super dim um, and then we have our windows and that's it Dude, so I'm gonna get lamp, like it's the lamp behind you on that wall yeah and then there's a lamp behind me well that's getting um, crazy with the light yeah that was a little bit crazy but it's it's better when there's more like right now the room is like completely closed there's like yeah, no yeah, lights in here um, but it, it makes the room brighter but I'm gonna get this thing called a loom cube which is just like this little attachable um, kind of external light that I can just put right above my monitor and you can make it like warm or cold and give it different temperatures. And, uh, so that'll help me. Cool. Yeah. How you doing? Good, man. Uh, today I had my first ever, uh, lawsuit that I had to be a part of. <laughs> so. You can check that box now. Dude, it was, uh, interesting. Um, I guess we can kind of get into it. Uh, yeah kind of our first little segment of what's going on in our, in our businesses. Uh, yeah. So for our event rental company, uh, we got sued. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I mean, it was my first, obviously my first time being sued. And so anyway, I thought I would kind of share about it. Cause it was, it was interesting. Uh, it was kind of scary and for sure, uh, like unknown and you know, there's obviously things at risk. And so, um, anyway, well, I'll just kind of share about it. So, um, it's having to do with the pandemic. So with uh, with COVID, we've had to reschedule over 130 events so far. Well, there's been 130 that have been either canceled or rescheduled. So one of the one of those combinations. And um, so how we've kind of been handling that. So anyone who is rescheduling their event, uh, we are giving them a credit. So we're saying, hey, you know, you've you made a deposit, and your original plans have to be changed. So we'll go ahead. We'll, we'll go ahead and we'll transfer that deposit to your new uh, date. So whether you pick out a date right now or you want to kind of keep your credit on file and then at some point down the road, you can use it, uh, you know, we can do it that way. So, you know, our, our goal is to be like reasonable, right? To kind of create some kind of win-win agreement between ourselves and our clients. Um, but also, you know, we have to protect our business because, you know, if we, if we were funded over 130 people, we would probably be out of business. I mean, that's just, that's a lot right. of money to refund. So, it's like a um, kind of like a run on the bank kind of idea. Like if everyone yeah. came and like withdrew their account, exactly. the bank That's would have more money because like. they're putting that that money to work. And um, dude, when the pandemic first uh, like had, had the onset, like that's how it was. It kind of like a run a run on the bank. Every everyone was rescheduling and canceling. I mean, it was it was kind of like panic mode. And so uh, this actual this this specific client was actually kind of near the beginning. But um, anyway, so for those that reschedule, there's really no problem, right? As long as they're willing to have an event at some point. And what we're kind of doing is saying like, look, uh, if, like right now, if you want to get married with, you know, 200 people indoors, you can't. Um, so people are kind of doing it like one of two ways. They're actually one of three ways. They either 
the most common option is they're just simply rescheduling. So they're saying, hey, we'll take this event, what this exact same order, exact same venue, and we'll uh, knock it back a year from now. So uh, they're doing that. Or they're saying, you know what, forget this. Let's just cancel our original plans. Let's do a smaller 40-person you know, outdoor wedding. That, that's what they're doing. And um, with that option, with either option, they can take their credit and apply it to those events. Uh, and then the third option is they're saying, you know what, let's just put all this on hold right now. Like, let me keep my credit with you, my deposit with you as a credit, and I'll reach out when I'm ready to schedule an event. And, um, you know, we're letting people like completely change their order so whether it's a new wedding or whether it's like an anniversary party or a birthday party or now a corporate event whatever it is it's literally a credit that can be used for whatever they want so that's our approach we feel that it's reasonable um and for those that cancel that's kind of when it gets tricky because those that cancel they really have no intention of using that deposit and so uh we're having a similar response so the response is for cancellations you know there is no refunds um, however you have that credit that you can use at some point down the road so just because you cancel your current order with us does not mean you're going to like lose your credit you still have it if you want it um out of 130 people uh every single one of those like scenarios has gone uh very well uh we uh, everyone except the one that we were being sued on, but every other person has, um, it's been pretty understanding and reasonable and we've come to an agreement. Uh, we've had zero negative reviews because it's all gone well. And I think one of the main reasons why is because it's been a dialogue, right? Like someone will contact us and say, Hey, like, you know, looking at canceling every scheduling, what are my options? And then we respond with the options. And then from there, it's a conversation. And again, the whole time our goal is to be reasonable and to kind of find, find the common ground. Um, so that's kind of the long-winded, <laughs> like full picture of what's been going on here. Uh, so for, th- for this specific client, they um, had booked with us in, in 2019, or I think in like March, beginning of the year they booked. And uh, so they made the deposit 50% and we're good on the contract, ready to go. And then uh, in April of this last year, 2020, um, kind of right after COVID was kind of, you know, kick, you know kicking up and getting started. They emailed us in the beginning of April saying, hey, you know, considering postponing or canceling, what are the options? And I responded kind of with the same template, <laughs> just like the response that uh, we have and didn't hear back for about a month. And about a month later, uh, we heard back and it was really weird. We feel like they came out pretty like strong, like, pretty strong armed was like their response. But uh, basically Definitely. they just said, hey, you know, uh, we regret that it's come to this. Please see the attached letter from our attorney. And uh, essentially just threatening to sue if we don't give back the full deposit uh, within 10 days. Uh, that was like their, that was their approach. Uh, so that's kind of what happened. Uh, the bummer was that uh, the father of the groom was the attorney. So like attorney fees was an issue for them, it appears that I mean, we're assuming that their dad, you know, helped them out and just, you know, he helped, which I understand. But uh, we were at a severe disadvantage um, for multiple reasons. Um, I think that in most of these scenarios with COVID, I, I would imagine if this has been, have there had been other companies with lawsuits, I would imagine the judges probably siding with the couple. I'm not really sure on how that's working. Um, right. But anyway, anyway, that's kind of the onset of what happened. Right. And we feel that like, we're pretty positive. We would have come to an agreement with them. Um, but they just came out so strong that we like really, really didn't have a choice. We weren't just going to say, okay, fine. Here's your money back. Like, no, like we wanted to, we, we, we proposed other options and we kind of had our attorney go back and forth with letters and it was a process. Um, I mean, long story short, that started in April and literally, you know, today being March 3rd, 2021, we just now had the, right. the court hearing. So, wow. uh, we actually didn't hear back from them. We heard back initially in May and then I think our attorney said a f- sent a few letters back and forth and we hadn't heard anything since I think July. 
and uh, we got service papers like mid February. So we heard nothing for like six, seven months. And that's kind of the scary part. That's the weird part with this kind of stuff is you really don't know. Like, I mean, honestly, for us, like owning a business at any time, like I could be sued. Like we, there's, you know, people could sue us for for any reason they want. Um, Mm. And it'd be up to us to figure out if we want to settle or try to go to court and resolve. So um, I feel like I need to break from talking because I'm saying a lot of words. (laughs) Any like initial (laughs) thoughts or questions, Corey, before I continue the story? Yeah. I mean, it's just to, to reiterate, like, I think that they definitely came on super strong and like there's really nothing you could do at that point if they already have the intention of suing. It's not like you really force their hand to, mm-hmm. to do anything yet. Even like as it was like what, like the third interaction where they asked for what the options are, you told them what they were and then they were just like, okay, you, you cool, said third, inter- third interaction, like the, well not the third interaction, but like the third sort of like conversation or like back and forth about, the, yeah, the no, that, that's a good point. So, you know, most of the time when a client books with us uh, for events, you know, we often go back and forth over email or phone, you know, 20, 30, you know, 40 messages, ex- you know, exchanged between the two of it. It t- often takes a while to book. Um, you know, people will, will inquire through our website, we send the quote, and then from there, just kind of like question after question or, you know, making tweaks. Uh, this client, like, th- there was really none of that. They inquired, uh, didn't hear back for like a month. I followed up, you know, heard back and then answered the question. Then they booked. So it was a very like seamless and really easy. Um, so yeah, you're right. It was really our like second interaction to where they responded that way. Yeah. Wh- which makes me question, like, I don't know if the father's, uh, or the father of the groom is the attorney, like how often they do this <laughs> or if they, mm-hmm. they just did this with like all of their vendors and, or any, anyone else who like refused to, to refund or to cancel. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the lame part is it, it goes to show like if there was like 10 of these people who were wanting to sue you or who were like really upset, then it'd be like, well, maybe they have a, like kind of a point, but it was just that one. And it was so like quick and hasty that it makes you think like, yeah, they really don't have like, they're being unreasonable intentionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of how we felt. Um, I- I'm pretty sure they, they potentially may be sued to the venue as well. I'm not positive, but that's my assumption. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really doesn't matter what I assume. So that, that's yeah. that. Um, okay, so that's kind of how things like took place, I guess. And then uh, today we had the actual trial. Um, but, you know, it's it's interesting because right now with COVID, the whole court, like the way it's working, it, it's all different because right now, at least for small claims, it's all um, over Zoom or like uh, Microsoft team v- viewer. So you're not going to actual court, you're doing it online. What that means is uh, leading up to the case, how you submit your, you know, quote unquote evidence or any of like the facts, how you do all that is it's all different. So normally for small claims, mm. uh, for small claims, you cannot have an attorney represent you in the court. You represent yourself, but you can't have an attorney um, prep you if you would like. Um, uh, yeah, so an attorney can prep you. Um but when, for the actual court, like I said, you show up by yourself. But uh, leading up to your actual case, you have to submit all of your evidence in advance. And so uh, the way it works is for small claims, you normally will show up the day of with all of your evidence um, and you would simply like walk over to the judge and hand it to him. Um, mm. But w- with COVID, you have to basically mail all that in 10 days in advance. Um, but it's weird because, so like, for example, I was served, I think, February 16th, which was like three weeks before the actual court day. So I was served papers, um, which means that I was, I was brought, it was, it was brought aware to me that I was being sued. Um, and then 
I have to, any evidence that I have to submit to the court, I have to also serve it to the other party as well, if that makes sense. And mm, so right. it's kind of a, kind of a weird process. The whole thing. And you only weird. have like a week to do that basically. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, um, it, it was just a weird process. Um, Oh, you're back. Your video cut out. So I was like super distracted for a minute. <laughs> I was like trying to focus. And I couldn't focus when I was saying because you were gone. I um, can tell. I see your pretty face. Okay. Um, Got to bring it back. Um, <laughs> trying to think. You're talking about the just a weird process. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. So anyway, it just was weird. And obviously it was my first time experiencing it as well. So um, there was a lot to learn, dude. Like a lot, of, you know, just research, like, their their dad being an, an attorney the paperwork that i was served was very very detailed uh when they submitted their evidence quote unquote uh it was about a 60 page document of just like oh my gosh yeah it, incredible i don't know how they created that much stuff but it was just like oh man so much like article after article kind of defending their situation and their like summary of the facts and just all this stuff that I mean, it was really impressive. It was really cool. But my evidence was like 10 pages because I have to pay for my attorney. So, you know, mine right. was obviously different. I didn't want to, you know, uh, it wouldn't make sense for my attorney fees to cost more than the actual deposit I have to pay back. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's kind of the main thing. And then, you know, today we obviously had the thing and, um, you know, it was, I'm glad I did. It's a part of the reason why I decided to not settle outside of court and to just try to try to do this because I think that being like choosing a, a like career or like life like doing business, I'm I'm almost certain that I'll get I'll be sued again at some point down the road, which is unfortunate. But uh, I, I figured like, dude, let's figure this out. Let's at least get our feet wet now. I'm not gonna figure the whole thing out, but let me at least yeah. like, kind of have a practice run. You know, at this point, the stakes are not as high and it's a smaller smaller amount of money. Uh, let's just kind of figure it out. So that was kind of my mindset. I was pretty nervous. Like, don't get me wrong, it was definitely it was a little scary, but. Um, yeah, uh, I should get to the summary of what happened, I guess. So <laughs> we, we lost. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So yeah, that's um, a you know, it w- you know, I had uh, the plaintiff had opportunity to kind of share his case. I had a chance to respond, and then he got to respond after that, and then that was it. There was like no more stuff. So I only, only got to speak one time. Um, mm. I did ask one good question though that that the judge was like, "That's a really good question," and I was like, "Yes," but. Um, <laughs> Like what it came down to was he said for these kind of matters he said it typically he said while I understand like the business owner's uh, circumstances like it d- seems unfortunate and difficult uh, he was like but I have to look at the contract like it really comes down to the wording of your contract and if, and if that is enough to defend you and in this case it wasn't so part of yeah. the takeaway has been like to which we've already done but has been to kind of revamp our contract and to really update the verbiage and to ensure that it protects us. Uh, in scenarios like you know uh, forces of nature and you know acts of acts of God and wars and pandemics and all that stuff. So yeah, um, that's interesting. So yeah, that's so kind of the just so you know, like it's not uncommon, especially I know. So coming from the world of software, and I'll give my two seconds software spiel is that uh, anytime someone is charged, um, someone can. Basically, I mean, it, it works just like it does uh, in real life with credit cards or with your bank where you can like dispute that charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if like for the merchant, even if it's built into the contract, if it's like clearly stated into the terms of service and the privacy policy or like, you know, whatever else that it is, like 95% of the time um, it goes in favor of the customer mm-hmm. or in favor yeah. of the person, which like even... You know, at, at Bear Metrics, there was lots of times where 
um, someone would buy like an annual subscription, for example, and then six months in be like, I want to cancel and I get my last six months back. Uh, would be like, I'm sorry, it's, we can't yeah. do that. You know, it's in the terms, like you've been using it for six months. doesn't really make any sense. And then they basically say like, if you don't do this, I'm going to dispute it. And like, we know basically that they're going to get that money back because yeah, it's crazy. for whatever reason, um, they're just always favored in that situation. It's, it's rare. It does, it does happen, but that's just been like the overall, you know, so don't feel like you're alone in that. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think it's fairly, fairly common. Yeah. We actually had uh, another client of ours uh, dispute. Uh, it was same, same thing. They wanted a refund. They weren't willing, willing to schedule. We said no. And uh, kind of similar approach to this one. They quickly said, well, I'm going to dispute. I like, didn't give it any time. And uh, yeah, they disputed it. And of course they won and got the money and it, they just take it out of your bank account, which is super weird. Right. So that was, a bummer, I know it's so. trippy. Um, but anyway, that's kind of the main the main thing, dude. Um, interesting experience. Um, really glad it's over. Uh, obviously bummed that we lost, but I fully expected that. And good learning experience. And um, yeah, that, that was, that's been the. I have some other things I could talk about as well, but that's been like the main, like newest, exciting, like hmm. in, interesting thing with our <laughs> business. So it's riveting. So, yeah. It's also good that, uh, like you said, I mean, if you're going to get sued, you might as well get sued for a relatively small amount of money. Um, because it, you know, if it was hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars, even, then that'd be a much different experience, right? And you don't want yeah. that to be your first experience with it either. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll quickly run through a couple updates um, on my end. But uh, I launched this new podcast. Everything is marking. I don't know if I talked about that the last time. I think maybe I was just you about mentioned to. that you were about to launch it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that you did. So yeah, I launched it. Um, it's been going well. I even asked one people to give me reviews and. I think I'm up to 30 reviews on the new nice. podcast and um, uh, the response has been pretty good. It's still going to, it's going to be hard to tell like how it actually helps and affects my business swipe files uh, for a while, but um, it's kind of a long game. And uh, it's one of those things where it's not going to be perfectly trackable anyways. Um, but it's a good tool to have. And it seems like I'm, I'm getting a good amount of new people kind of in the funnel and engaged anyways. And so, uh, pretty confident that it's sort of going to work quote unquote. Um, also opening my two courses this week as well for enrollment. So I've been doing like the quarterly one week mm-hmm. open enrollment cycle where instead of being able to buy anytime, um, I just open it up for like a week. And, uh, so, so far it's been like a little bit slow. I think I've done like $1,500 in sales. Um, but I'm always kind of like, I don't know what to expect with this anyways. And, I try not to put like a goal or a number in mind just so I don't uh, disappoint myself too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll see how, how it ends up. It, it's going to run through this Sunday. By the time this comes out, it'll, it'll be done. Um, but it's exciting nonetheless. And uh, and basically what it's kind of level leveling up to, and I think I might have talked about it last time too, but I've been thinking about this idea of just like saving up enough money in the business bank account to be able to sort of like live off of for six months to a year if I didn't have anything else going on them basically just give me gives me runway for the revenue to catch up to the business bank account and uh to then become like default alive quote unquote um where it's like perpetually I can sustain myself and give myself a paycheck because right now it does about twenty four thousand dollars a year just in subscription revenue which is like pretty good it's not bad it's you know it's it's rent money which is Mm -hmm. good but it all comes at different times and, mm-hmm. 
and it, it's annual upfront. So it's not like I'm getting, um, you know, yeah, $2,000 exactly. a month. It's like, I got $2,000 and then I got $2,000 again, but like every month I'm starting from scratch until I get to April or May when those first renewals come. But th- even then that'll be pretty small and kind of neg- ne- negligible. Um, so it's going to take a while for that to really be like a consistent thing that I can rely on. Um, but I'm hoping with the courses, uh, with a couple other things that I'm doing that I'll be able to have like six months to a year's worth of runway by like May ish, which I'm pretty excited about because then I can actually start paying myself a paycheck and, um, have another kind of stream of, of income to rely on. It's not going to be huge. I'm not going to pay myself a ginormous salary, but it'll be something small and it'll be another thing to kind of, um, support myself with. So I'm excited about that because I feel like dude, now it's like a game. N- you almost. better I'm just not like, take a salary before me, dude. I'll be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, are you planning on taking a salary before May? Because if not, then actually, yes, I, might be today. I, I, I do have plans for that. Okay. Up nice. until this point, we've just taken like owner's draws with how we do it. Um, right. But we want, we, I want to put it as like a W2 and have a consistent paying salary. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause I think, I mean, I want to start building up like a, um, a track record and a history of like an actual real life paycheck. I don't well, exactly know how it yeah. works, but I feel like that's, I might as well just like do that. Um, well, it's also a lot really different. Like for my business, the, the reason why we, I have not taken a salary is because uh, we've really been reinvesting most of it. So um, yeah. while the, while the business has been generating revenue, you know, we're not saying great, like let's take a fat salary. Like, no, like, we're putting it all back in and reinvesting and you know, whatever for you though, yeah. like your reinvestment costs, I feel like are less right because you're just your cost of running your business is just different than mine being more of a software product so it makes sense why you would quickly get on that w2 bandwagon Corey. so right like i my time is really the only cost like there's very low i think my my real like fixed costs are like four hundred dollars a month but i i paid that all basically annually up front back in december um so you know it's about like serious (laughs) <laughs> it's insane oh my gosh right so it's about five grand a year ish um which is not a lot so anything else would basically be like marketing costs or like hiring someone or outsourcing something um which is both good and bad right because like i'm taking 99 dollar a year subscriptions um but my costs are, are really really low and it's all yeah. based on my time and how much i put into it um so trade-offs right but that's the other thing is i joined this uh writing community called compound writing it's actually Mm -hmm. a really cool concept i'm like kind of jealous i didn't think about myself um but basically it's uh like crowdsourced Mm -hmm. editing um Mm -hmm. and so you join and the thought is that uh we it's like a rising tide lifts all boats we all help each other edit each other's content and so i public when i have like a new idea or a new draft i submit it to the community and then tens or hundreds of people pop in and give suggestions, edits, feedback for me to make it the best article I can. And then I go and do the same thing for other people's articles. Um, and then it's kind of like an accountability system. Like there's like a, a mastermind where you meet once a month and you kind of talk strategy and stuff. Um, but I'm hoping that that will, well, I know it will actually help me ramp up my content production more, um, writing like a weekly newsletter, creating new courses and, so I've always felt like I'm not like a professional writer. I love writing, but like, it's not a, like there's a difference between like a 
you know, good writing and great writing. And I don't, I couldn't get to great writing just by myself, but hiring an editor is expensive. Like even I posted on Twitter and I was like, man, I would love to be able to hire an editor for like 50 bucks a post. And everyone was like, that that's way too low. Like you're not going to find anyone good for that. It's going to be like a hundred or $200 per post. And I'm like, geez, well that's, it's not a ton of money. Eventually it wouldn't be, but it's a lot for me now if I'm producing four to eight a month, that's, you know, four figures basically. Well, question. So, um, like to me, I mean, considering that like your most of your average like, business costs, like just I would say like normal business costs like don't exist for your company, right? Because you know you, you're not really buying materials, right? Your overhead's very limited. There's no office, uh, right? It's mainly just, mainly just like your. I mean, you tell me, but I think it's just like the the uh, products you use to run your business, right? The software, yeah. mm-hmm. basically yeah. it. Um, so wouldn't that like fall under just like a like a normal business expense you should incur? Yeah, right. no, I totally would. It's just I don't have the money. You're saying to pay right that. now, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah. okay, so when a business is at let's say a hundred grand a year, is that a cost you would take on or no? Would you oh, still totally. try to hundred okay. percent? Yeah. So that that's normal for your kind of business. Yeah, definitely. I mean, okay. but it's just a matter of getting it up to that point mm-hmm. where I mean, even I could float that cost now. It's just I wouldn't feel good about it given for sure our financial situation, the fact that I want to like build up something for myself to be able to pay myself and. Um, but yeah, eventually, I mean, even when I get to like 50,000 a year, then that's something that I could probably start to invest in knowing that I have kind of like a cushion, right. That it's not going to be, um, cause right now, like what's in the business bank account is not very much. And so if I start like that, that can, I can quickly chip away with that, with editing, with software, with, mm-hmm. um, other like small expenses. Um, so I need some sort of like cushion first. Uh, but the goal is to get to default alive by the end of the year, right? Yeah. Just a hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm at 237 members. Uh, default alive very comfortably would be a thousand members. Technically to get to default alive, I would really only need to get to like 600 or 700 members, you know, which would be 60 to 70,000 a year. Yeah. Um, Because then, you know, it's about 5,000 in software costs. And then by the time I pay myself a paycheck, it would be, you know, a a modest salary essentially. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. But I'm excited for it. It kind of feels like um, gamified a little bit of like, let's see how much money I can store away into this business bank account that I can eventually give to myself. And um, so I've been having fun kind of like motivating myself to keep putting that in. I actually had a pretty good month with February, even though I didn't have like a lot of new members. Um, but between a couple of sales and then uh, coaching, um, ended up being a decent chunk of change. So have you, just like have you in this weird... About, so you're basically putting that money into, into a bank account and then a plan is to build that up and then, you know, let's, let's say you get it to $70,000, $80,000, whatever, whatever your goal is for that bank account, then you can start paying yourself a salary. Have you thought about instead of doing that, like maybe like investing that money or putting that money towards something that's going to produce money or no. What do you mean investing? Like, um, well, like, you know, I know you love the idea of like doing like a rooftop property, right? So you, you know, you buy a property for $50,000 cash and then you net 700 bucks a month off of, off of income. So if you thought about trying to pick up, you know, a couple of those or, you know, find, you know, that would obviously be difficult, but you know what I'm saying? Like something like that to where you, your money's giving you a return instead of just, paying out of your bank savings account eventually yes because i th- i think what what's going to happen 
So what would happen right now is if, let's say that I saved up um, $50,000 and then I thought, okay, I could live off of this uh, for a while or I could make this stretch, you know, give myself like the lowest possible salary basically um, for a year. Well, then I have uh, the time to work on it more, uh, a little bit more financially stable myself. And that number is only going to get larger going from uh, like the actual revenue I'm bringing in. So let's just say, you know, I say about $50,000, but right now I'm at, you know, $25,000 uh, a year, but then it goes up to 30 to 35 to 40 to 50. So the plan isn't to like deplete the $50,000. It's just to give myself a little bit of a head start to start replenishing it. Um, but eventually, yeah, I mean, eventually I'll give myself yeah. a salary and then um, reinvest everything yeah. else above that, right? And so maybe I have an extra 50000 a year profit where then I can go buy up a rooftop prof property or something else to yeah. put my money to work. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the reality is right now that, that you know, you're mainly surviving off of your consulting income, which is yeah. which is great and it's a great return for your time, but still not like what you're you're, you're wanting to be at, you know? So I get exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, I've been describing it as like entrepreneur purgatory because I'm like halfway between consulting and halfway between like my own business ventures and product revenue. So it's just a matter of like making the transition. That's like the, the major focus for me right now. It's just uh, kind of crossing the chasm and getting to entrepreneur heaven, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Me too. I want to get there one day as well. Yeah, we'll gotta stop being sued though before I get there. <laughs> right. Um, um, I had a couple of things I wanted to add. Oh, did you? Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No. Go ahead. Because I I have other things, but I think they'll be along the same lines as you. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I feel like my like lawsuit story kind of went on. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but uh, a few more things like we're kind of currently working on. Um, is, you know, it's been you know, part of my goal's always been with with like our our main business of event rentals has. Um, you know, to some extent generate like some form of, I don't want to say, pa I hate the term like passive income, but like, you know, like, um, yeah, but it's real. Yeah. I mean, more steady income to where that, uh, I don't have to, it's not a job, right? It just, it's income that we have that I get to manage. Um, and I kind of realized like I, I've had this thought recently that, um, kind of like just the idea of like in our heads, we kind of think we're doing better than we actually are. We think that we're like we think we're more than we actually are. Does that make sense? And, yeah. or, or we think that we like, we think of our issues and we think, Oh, I don't have that. I don't have that problem. Like I'm doing it the right way kind of thing. And I kind of realized like, wow, I've, I've really been doing that <laughs> a lot with my business. I think part of what that is, is, uh, I feel like I've done some things good with it, but a lot of things that I have not done well, like I need to start doing a lot better. And it's one of, one of those has been like running it more like a business. Like what I've realized was over the last mm. like year and a half, two years is that um, like I'm really hands on. Like when it comes to events and like making it like a wedding actually happen or a corporate event, like most of the time, like I'm at the actual setup. Now I, I, I don't really go to most of the pickups. And so in my mind, that's kind of like, Oh, like I'm having this great lifestyle where I don't have to whatever. But the reality is like, you know, like I'm actually working like most, you know, Saturdays and Sundays and I'm, you know, I'm doing, you know, work that I, maybe shouldn't have to be doing. And so I kind of decided, you know what, like let me restructure some things. And this year, like really from the very beginning to start, I like trying to make it more of a hands-off approach. And so, mm -hmm. uh, and all that to say, 
pretty much every event we've we've had so far this year, uh, I haven't really gone on them. I've gone on a couple, but I've really been sending guys out and kind of just trusting them and taking time during the week to train people and, you know, meet at the warehouse and kind of go over stuff. And um, it's been really fun. Like, uh, we're really operating at like a small scale right now. You know, come summertime and fall, we get a lot more busy. And so I'm excited to, like, take what I've started and really apply it to that time. And so I'm not saying that I'm, like, done working on events, but, uh, right. you know, like, for example, next weekend, I think we have we have five events that weekend which is not small, but not big. It's kind of like a medium weekend and I'm not doing one of them. I have guys doing all wow. of it. And so, yeah, I'm really excited, like really like practicing what I thought I was good at kind of thing, you know, and just kind of seeing how it goes. And so that's an exciting mm. thing to share that. Um, yeah, I'm excited about that. So. Definitely. I mean, it's kind of a, a cliche, right? But like there's the whole, um, you know, are you working on your business or are you working in your exactly. business? Correct. And it is super easy to just work in your business and like give yourself a job and just like do things that other people could do. But it's really hard to work on the business and do things that no one else can do and really put a lot of your time and effort towards that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even more than that. Like I, um, uh, this week I spent a lot of time looking at working on our procedures and operations, like things in writing of how I want things done. And like I've never done that before, which you would think I should have, mm. but I just haven't. And so, um, and the reason is because I'm always there. So I'm always the one like either doing the hard thing or explaining it, whatever. So now it's going to all be in writing and everything's going to be documented. So I'm super excited for that. Um, I think we're doing some good things. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a super worthy investment. Um, you know, there's things that like anyone coming from like a different industry or world, uh, would like take for granted. And for me, one of those things is like documentation just cause with a software business with like a content business, everything is in writing somewhere because like how else yeah. would you exactly. <laughs> communicate that thing to someone? Mm-hmm. There's like videos and there's training and there's like a knowledge base and like you created all yourself. But I always forget that that's not like a normal thing across a lot of other types of businesses. Yeah. Uh, but that's something that you could take and, and run with and yeah. it's a really powerful yeah. tool. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. Um, along the same lines, I was listening to, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes, but I was listening to a podcast. Uh, it's a newer one for me. It's called the Fort podcast. I think it is. Um, and it's basically like this real estate guy. I'll just say he's like a investor and, um, he's done like a lot of like commercial and residential, but he's like pretty big time and he invited one of his friends who was like a startup founder to come on. And they're kind of like from two different worlds a bit. Uh, and I feel like they both have some kind of Christian roots, but I'm not really sure if they're like practicing Christians, if that makes sense. Um, but anyways, they, uh, both of them had, have had like a lot of success and a lot of failure. Um, like the guy who came on, he's really cool. His name is, uh, James Bashora. Um, he's like a angel investor and startup founder multiple times. And, um, he was talking about how, uh, it's difficult being, like a happy entrepreneur because everything in the business world is all about like growth. It's about revenue growth and mm-hmm. like achieving the next milestone, getting to hiring this person, raising this amount of money, exiting for this amount, getting this outcome. But in life, like if you're constantly like wanting more and trying to get to the next thing, then you're just never happy. Like you're, you're, you're not being content. And so it's like this weird dichotomy where you have to learn to, be content personally to like be happy and live your life, but you have to be really discontent in your business Hmm. to actually like grow. And not everyone does. Like you, you could be content with your business and just like, you know, not grow 
quote unquote, uh, or just kind of, you know, rinse and repeat, do the same thing. But most, most businesses want to get to like another level where they constantly want to see the chart go up and to the right, even if it's, you know, super slightly. Um, I was like, man, that really sums up the way <laughs> that I've been feeling. I'm just like, I'm not like happy right now. Mm, I'm not really like having point. like a ton of fun. I'm not seeing any of the rewards of what I'm doing right now. Um, but I don't, even if I did get there, quote unquote, to like the growth that I want, I, I have to take that contentment with me. Like I'm, it's not going to happen <clears throat> necessarily, which is a hard pill to swallow a little bit, but yeah. that's basically what they were talking about. Like this guy, basically he, um, was like super successful, uh, by all kind of standards. And like he had this company called tilt and then like things took a turn for the worse. They ended up having to like find a buyer. They're about to run out of money. And then like a week before they kind of just did like a aqua hire fire sale to Airbnb. Um, and he was like, it was like this really emotional traumatic thing. Like the company basically like dissolved into nothing within like three months at Airbnb. They just kind of like shut it down and they had normal jobs then at Airbnb. Um, but then they had, they got Airbnb stock mostly Airbnb just, uh, IPO two months ago for like, it was like a hundred billion dollar valuation or something. And it was like an amazing outcome and success, but he's been waiting for that for a long time, but he's had to learn to like be content with where he's at, what he's been doing before seeing the outcome of it. And now like his life hasn't changed at all, even though he's a couple zeros richer, um, and so I, I've just been trying to challenge the way that I think, like, I think that once I get to default alive and maybe that's a different level, but like a thousand true fans and I get like some level of success that I'll be a lot happier. But the reality is I might not be that much happier, noticeably happier. Um, it, maybe I should yeah, learn I mean, to be content. That's a good point you bring up. Um, but also like I, w- I would like, I don't know, push back a little bit and think like, do you want to get to a point to where you're just like good? Like, do you, is that what you want? Like maybe, right. I don't, I can't speak for you. Like I think for myself, I think like, okay. Uh, I think for me naturally, like I don't think I would, I would personally like that. Like I'm really like really driven. I have a lot of ideas, a lot of things I right. want to do. And for you, um, I, I think you're similar. Maybe not. I'm not going to speak for you. You, you answer that. But what I'm saying is like, uh, it, I think it's good to have that push. Well, it's weird because like we're talking about like, contentment. So contentment, it is a little different, but you're talking about like just being like, you know, like, uh, not wanting to grow and continue like your, uh, your right. expansion it's a little bit like different. that. Yeah. It's an interesting, those are opposite ends thing. of the, of the spectrum. Um, mm-hmm. they, they mentioned two quotes. So one is by it's kind of all, he's, um, another like really prolific angel investor and startup founder. And he said, desire is a contract that that you make with yourself to be unhappy until you get what you want. <laughs> and, um, I think that's super true. And like, if you really think about it, it's just like, I'm not going to be happy until I get this thing. I, I desire this thing. Um, uh, even they mentioned Charlie Munger too, sort of the better half of Warren Buffett of uh, Berkshire Hathaway fame. He said, envy is a really stupid sin because that's the only one you could ever, you could never possibly have fun at. There's a lot of pain and no fun. So I think what what they're talking about, kind of what I'm trying to get at is um, uh, trying to get to like some sort of outcome or like amazing, you know, like top of the mountain, kind of like I did it, I achieved it is like pretty worthless and like not like a super good um, ambition to have, but like doing the work and like making progress every day is a good ambition to have Mm. and like making small incremental steps. But it's basically like they were just saying, if you're trying to become like, a billionaire or like 
if you're if you're never happy with like any of the growth that you ever have, then you're gonna have a really hard time. So you have to find this balance of like being content with where you are, but wanting more at the same time. Yeah. But not being too content and not wanting too much. I don't yeah. know. It's a weird balance. Yeah, it all makes sense. It reminds me of um, 2019. Yeah, so that was our first full year in our business. Um, and I have like a few ways of like tracking like our revenue plus like scheduling people for events. So have like our, we have QuickBooks, but we have like our proposal software. We also have like a spreadsheet that we just track everything on. So on that spreadsheet, like I manually get to like adjust things uh, on QuickBooks and our other software, it's all automatic. So mm. their spreadsheet, honestly, is just kind of like for me. Like I enjoy like adding in like the revenue for each job. And <laughs> it's kind of fun to watch like the total right. for the year go up and up and up. And I remember for 2019, like the goal that I set. And I remember like, you know, every single event that I, that we got, I was so like stoked to like go to my third monitor over here to my left and like, you know, add in my numbers. It was like so fun for me. It was like such like a exciting thing. I remember I often would text Connie throughout the week, like now we're at this number and we went up, whatever, like, every day updating her. And, um, it's funny because in my mind, it's like, man, when I hit that like benchmark, when I hit that goal, I'm going to be like good, right? I'm going to be, you know, happy. <laughs> my year will be like satisfied. And, um, we we passed the number by like two thousand dollars we like just went over it and i like wanted so much more <laughs> like i was right. you know, i was somewhat satisfied but like not really I, I mean i really wanted like the next level and it's funny how that works because you just your mind like you just think like no like i'm gonna i'm gonna be like this desire that i have is gonna be met and um i think it's you know we don't realize that that's like we're missing it right it's, it's the wrong thing but but at yeah. the same time like i'm glad that like i that I was measuring, that I was measuring our growth, and that I was watching it because it pushed me to like, you know, sometimes there were some events that kind of come up, and I didn't really want to take on because it was extra work, and I didn't really, didn't really make sense, but like it caused us to grow, right? So it kind of like there's a balance to it, I guess is what I want to say, you know? Yeah, yeah. the The way I've been trying to think about it is um, to like figure out sort of the the enough number, like in whatever context or scenario that is, and then. To like really celebrate and like really push to get to that enough number and like that number could change that number could you could set a new number every year i don't know like it just depends and then everything after that is like bonus but like to not be unhappy if you don't get sort of the bonus number well um, i mean a lot of what we've talked about um like on and off the podcast is like wanting our time to like wanting to have uh, like the uh, uh what's the word wanting to have like the income that supports our lifestyle m- meaning that we get to really spend our time with the things you want to do, you know? So for example, like this kind of yeah. stuff or just, you know, talking with good people, you know, um, good fellowship, you know, young people, ministry, all these, all these things you want to do, uh, like that is like extremely fulfilling. And so the default alive or the, uh, the number that we said that we need to, to live off of whatever, um, that's kind of what it's feeling, you know? Right. That's, that's, that's the thing that allows us to do the thing that we actually enjoy and look forward to. And so, I'll just mention one more thing and then I'll pass it back over to you because it's related. Um, is I'm reading this book called To Sell as Human, which is really good. It's by uh, Daniel Pink. And I actually, I really like all of his books. Um, but there's this really, really interesting stat. He said that, uh, I forget the study. I could link to it. I could find it, but it's a reputable source. And they found that um, once positive emotions outnumbered negative emotions by three to one, so in other words, for every three kind of instances of feeling gratitude or interest or contentment or joy, 
um, and they only experienced one instance of anger or guilt or embarrassment or discontentment, people generally flourished. But if there was uh, like, if it was like 10 to one, then it was like, it was bad. Like people were, became unhappy. Like there wasn't enough sort of like challenging things in their life. But especially if it was lower, if it was like one-to-one or if it was the opposite, if it was like one good thing, one good emotion for every four bad emotions, then people were basically stuck in their life. And he talks about this idea of learned helplessness uh, where people sort of like, they get, uh, they talk themselves into failure basically. Um, so they, they choose to fail at something before they actually experience the failure and they give up really easily. And it's sort of like this vicious cycle that happens over and over again. But on the, on the other end of the spectrum, um, like the opposite of that is basically optimism and optimism is basically like learned resourcefulness, if that makes sense, where, uh, it's like a catalyst that stirs up the persistence that you need to keep going and to achieve what you want to do and overcome shortcomings and, uh, and obstacles, uh, to give you the confidence that you need to actually go and do the things and sort of, like you said, push yourself outside of your mm-hmm. comfort zone. Um, I thought that was fascinating because like one, you're not going to make it as an entrepreneur or really as a, like a person in life, <laughs> if you don't have some sort of like learned resourcefulness. And if you have, if, if you are, if you're in that kind of cycle of learn helplessness, there's nothing that you can do. Like you're, you're just, everything's going to fall short for you. Um, so I thought it's interesting that optimism is basically like a key to this whole thing. Like you have to have a positive outlook on the things you work on. Otherwise you're going to drive yourself crazy and or never achieve what you want to do. You said optimism is learned persistence. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. and it's like a, a catalyst basically. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really cool. I like that. Word. Yeah. And learned resourcefulness. That's cool. Um, yeah. So I've been trying to rem- remind myself of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and another thing that I've been like learning recently is I've been thinking a lot about like, how do I have productive communi- communication with someone and how do I kind of like selfishly, but it actually is one thing that, uh, Mike Van Meter, like I was meeting with him one time. He kind of just like shared this with me and I was like, dude, like I, I was kind of sharing with him, like, dude, I've having this conflict with Connie, like, this issue between us. Like, I, I don't know how to communicate what I want to communicate. And I thought he gave me, like, such good advice, but it was really weird. Because um, he was like, this, he's, like he's, he's like, this might sound, sound bad. He's like, I'm going to take off my pastor hat. This is kind of like friend to a friend. He was like, dude, you need, to, you need to, like, communicate with Connie in a way to where you first stop and think, how do I get the end result that I want? Like, how do I, how does Jeremy win in this, in this discussion? And he's like, once you figure that out, you communicate, like kind of re- reverse en- engineer that to get what you want. And I kind of thought, whoa, like, that's weird advice from Pastor Mike. Uh, but I'm down with it. Like really cool. Right? Like, I, I can totally relate to it. Um, anyway, kind of funny little story. But I've, I've just been thinking a lot about that recently. I think part of why I've been thinking about that was probably because of our little court case that I had. Like as mm. I was thinking through, because I knew that with this little court case that I was going to have a chance to speak and share like my side. I was kind of thinking, okay, like, well, a like I'm gonna prepare. Like I'm gonna really kind of like write out some notes and like in you know, a highlight, underline, like make sure I emphasize certain points. But how do I like effectively communicate to like the judge? How do I really get the end result that I want that's gonna help me? Um, so I lost the court case. So <laughs> maybe I didn't figure that out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I don't know. I just I've been thinking a lot about that idea. So I thought I would share that. Um, 
I, I don't know. I did some like reading. I got like, did some research on like product, productive communication. I kind of been thinking about that, and I also was like reminded of one thing. One thing that Joanna, my sister, I remember uh, she taught me this when I was working at Le Bon's. I was probably just out of high school, so I was probably eighteen, maybe nineteen. And it was right when I started doing some management and I was like emailing clients. And I remember uh, when I first started, she wanted me to copy her on every email that I sent. That way she could kind of coach me on how to communicate verbally with clients in that professional way. And one thing she taught me, which I thought was really good advice, was um, she told me me to be mindful of the the use of the word uh, and and but. And she taught me a little trick. She's like, anytime you're going to want to say the word but, like think about if you could say the word and instead. Like if it makes mm. sense grammatically, and if it does make sense grammatically, it really changes the whole tone of what you're trying to communicate, and oftentimes will lead to what you want. And uh, was super fascinating. Like if you, and if I would encourage you, like start like thinking about that whenever you're typing an email or a text or whatever. Um, like just like try to exchange the two words, and if it works out grammatically, like oftentimes it makes you sound a lot like softer and like not as like harsh or you know, and so. I've been totally. thinking about that a lot recently and kind of like learning that a little bit like, or relearning it, you know? Um, yeah, it's kind of been a fun, funny thing to think about. Yeah, oh, it's so true. I mean, I think about that all the time, sort of with all the work that I do, trying to communicate and talk to people, talk to clients, talk to friends, you know, ask for advice. And uh, the tone is like so, so important. I think it's cool too because if you can practice that sort of online and like be really mindful about which words you use, it's easier to like implement that in real life too. And, um, and that's really where the, it starts to pay dividends where you can actually use the right words and communicate accurately and not, not say the wrong thing, especially and actually say, you know, save yourself some, some trouble. Yeah. Um, another thing that I've kind of been trying to figure out is, um, I actually was going to ask you, but like I've been really working on, like listening and not so much of I'm not speaking in context of like my wife but just like in general right like on this podcast with you and just with business stuff and with like a you know coffee with a friend whatever it is like just like really like listening to someone and responding to what they're saying and not so much of responding to what I want to say and I think I'm like yeah. I'm really bad at that I'm really bad at like like on this podcast like hearing you talk and then like responding to like the exact thing you're saying like it's it's hard for me like I often like just want to think of what I want to say or I'm looking at my notes and like, it's difficult to like absorb what's coming in and then responding out of that. And, um, so there's like that context, but also the context of simply like listening, like with my wife, like Connie, like really hearing what she's saying and like responding to that. Anyway, all this, I was curious if you've like read any books about that or if I feel like you would, you know, or I can any articles about the idea of just like absorbing information and listening and taking it in. Yeah. I mean, actually, so if I if I had the book in front of me, I would share it. But uh, that same book, To Sell as Human, um, has some really good notes on sort of like active listening within like a sales context, but it's very mm-hmm. sort of personalized for 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 the real life as well. I feel like um, I wouldn't say it's like a, a talent of mine, but it's something that comes a little bit more naturally. But even then, I've I've had to be very kind of mindful of it. I, I've noticed myself I noticed myself do that a lot with podcast interviews. A lot, You're actually. really good at it, dude. Well, <laughs> thanks. But with um, with cultivating keep with the people that we talk to, basically every every time someone talks, I catch myself thinking, <laughs> like, okay, well, this is what you're like thinking, but like, listen to what they're saying, and then like, you know, respond to what they're saying, like not just like the next thing that's top of your mind. Um, I w- I had to catch myself doing that a lot when I was interviewing people for everything is marketing. Mm-hmm. I found myself doing that. Um, 
with a couple guests that we've had, uh, and to really even respond, even like when, so, you know, we just chatted with, uh, with David and there was a couple of times where, um, you know, I'm just going off of like the notes or I'm thinking of like, Oh, here's like the next question just cause I don't want to be prepared. But yeah. if I, if I actually listened to him, then uh, there was a lot of times where I would just like completely change it or I would come yeah. up with a new question or I would just like skip it all together because that's sort of what's it's, needed it's, in the moment. It's interesting that you, you had that observation. Cause I felt like the opposite. I feel like for myself, so for myself, I felt like there was maybe like one or a couple questions I kind of asked him like in response to what he said, but the majority of, for myself, I was kind of following like my notes and like what I was thinking to myself. And for you, I felt like, wow, Corey's doing like a darn good job at just like responding to what's being said. <laughs> Uh, so it's funny how we both kind of felt like whatever, but I, I would say objectively, I think, and listeners would probably agree, like you're, re- you are really good at that. You're really good at like hearing. And the funny thing is like, you're also really good at like hearing what someone says and then having like a good question. Cause I, I think like I can ask like a light hard question, no problem, but like, you're good at like hearing like something in depth and like really asking like a thought out question. That's kind of just like on top of mind for you. Um, mm. I think it, I think a lot of that's personality differences, but also I think maybe from, because you also have your own podcast where you're interviewing guests and uh, I think you're, you know, you do a lot of calls with your clients where you, you used to with bare metrics. And so I think you're very used yeah. to that, but it, you're really, you're, you're really are good at it. So thanks. Yeah. It's totally a learned muscle. I would say even thinking about it, you, you mentioned those couple of things. Like I definitely got a lot of reps in at bare metrics, just talking to customers and clients. Cause that's one of the biggest things. Well, actually, I mean, it, it's really is like selling and or like consulting. Cause when someone says like, Oh, here's what I'm looking for. If you just give them like the, you know, the answer that they're looking for, it might not be what they actually exactly. um, need. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same thing as like, how's the saying go? It's, um, give people what they want so that you can give them what they need or something like that, where basically you have to really, think about, you know, what, what do you actually, uh, what is this person actually after? And every time someone said like, Oh, how do I, uh, how do I track my, my lifetime value, for example, for, for my customers? Um, I would ask, I would say, well, here's where, where, where you can look for it, but you know, what are you really after, uh, trying to figure that out? And they would say, well, I'm trying to figure out, um, you know, like how much I can acquire, how much I can spend to acquire a customer. And then I would understand, okay, now I know where they're going. And then I would say, well, actually this probably isn't the right metric for what you're looking at. I would actually go and, um, calculate your, uh, customer acquisition costs and your payback period. Yep. I'm getting really nerdy here, but just to like illustrate, you have to do a lot of that. And I think that I managed to get in a good amount of reps. I think, but anyone could, again, I think for any situation, there's definitely an opportunity to, to build that muscle. Yeah, I agree. Um, Anything else for you, Corey, under um, learning? Mm-mm. Cool. No. Well, I, uh, I have some things I want to share for kind of what I've been studying in the Word. I've been a couple of things I've been excited to share about with for a little while. Um, yeah. I've been, when we first kind of started our new format, like I I wouldn't make any notes throughout my week. I would just kind of like whatever. And when I would sit down to prep for the podcast, I'd be like, oh, crap. Like, what did I learn? Like, what did I read? And so, anyway, recently I've just been, as I like think of something or I hear it in a message or I'm reading it, I like make a note. So, uh most of what I wrote down actually was like for this portion of our podcast. I'm excited. Mm, um, yeah. I, someone, I think it was Spencer Hancock. I forget who it was. Someone in some setting mentioned, he just mentioned this story and it really spoke to me and he didn't read, he didn't read it. He just kind of mentioned like the, the premise of it. And so I wrote it down I went and reread it and it really spoke to me, but still have Mary, uh, Mary and Martha and it's uh, Luke 10, 38 through 42. And I'm just going to read it really quickly. 
Um, but it says, Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him, welcomed him into her home. Uh, she had a sister named Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his every word. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations, and she came to him, saying, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Tell her to come help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but the only one thing that is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. I was kind of just thinking about, like, wow, I'm totally, like, the one to be caught up in, like, busyness and, like, what has to be done. And I thought it was cool, like, if you, like, kind of break down the wording, he said, like, like Jesus' response was like the literally like the only thing that is like that matters like the the one thing that's gonna kind of last and like the one good part uh, like you're missing out on and I just kind of thought man like that would be such a bummer to to hear that um, mm. and as I kind of like thought thought of that like I, I kind of like well, actually like I kind of break it down like okay so daily like, like what's the good part of my days like what's like the daily good that I can have and or or the daily good that I can miss out on. And I think like you know this like book right here and like time with God and like slowing down a little bit. We talked we talked with, with David last week about that like being more intentional and not being so busy. Like like this is the good stuff right here that um, like we really miss it a lot a lot. And um, yeah, I have my streaks, but like I think most of the t- recently like I, I've been missing it. Like I just I get busy and I'm excited about business stuff and like I don't want to miss it anymore. I don't want to like miss like mm. slow moments and kind of brings me back to you know the book. Um, ruthless elimination <laughs> of hurry, right? Of like, he's all about that. He's all about slowing down and being intentional and like, you know, like being with God and and it's exciting. So, and I, I've kind of shared a few stories or st- like things along these lines. The last few podcasts about you know living under the, under the love of God and under God's favor and you know being with God. Um, you know, this kind of topic has really been speaking to me. And so the story with Mary and, Ma- Mary and Martha really hit home with me. Um, cause th- the funny thing is, dude, for all of us, like we all get to pick it ourselves. Like I'm not like, yeah. I'm not forced to miss it and you're not forced to miss it. Like we really get to choose that. And, um, and to get the good thing is just simple. It's literally just like slowing down and like reading and like being aware of God's presence. And so, um, anyway, that really spoke to me a lot and I was excited to share that today. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Um, so I don't know if you're thinking about Kevin, Kevin Miller on Sunday when was he, he the was one? sharing, uh, okay, yeah, sorry. Uh-huh. Right him, yeah. 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 But, I, every time I, I listen to that story, actually, it was funny because if you remember, he he like tried to swap out the names with, with guy names because maybe it would like, click <laughs> and more. And he couldn't do it, yeah. That's yeah, probably why I forgot it, it yeah. Yeah, but to be it. honest, I, I appreciate he did that because oh, there's some, some sort of like stupid masculine cell in my brain that just like turns off or like doesn't like take those stories as, it's like so embarrassing for me to say, but like any story involving like a woman, which is like so dumb, but... <laughs> It really like is like, <laughs> I feel so stupid saying it, but I realized when he said that, I was like, man, I think I have taken that story for granted. And it really is such a powerful analogy and parable and example of, like you said, just like missing out on the good stuff. While you were saying that, I I thought like, man, what if, what if that was every day? And then like Jesus has to come and interrupt you and be like, Hey, uh, what you're doing is you're missing out basically like your alter ego over here. It's like, he's the one that's, you know, getting all the good stuff and he's actually, actually has his like priorities uh, in order and is sitting down and getting what's, what's actually important. 
And um, it's way too easy to be Martha in that situation. Yeah, it's funny. Like, uh, I love reading verses that, like, the wording, like, sticks out to me, you know? And I feel like it's been a while since I've done, like, I've had that experience. Uh, and this was 100% that. I mean, like, the word she said was, Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not mm. be taken away. Like, Mary chose the good thing. And that's, like, really cool. Like, it's a really cool thing to think about. And again, like I said a minute ago, it was like, we we can do that too. We get to choose the, we choose, right? Good, you know? And so, uh, I don't know. That's exciting. There's another one that kind of, uh, this, I think this one might have been from Spencer. I'm not sure. This was like a separate time or maybe I think I read it in my devotions. Oh yeah. This was a devotions. Um, I'm going through Matthew right now, but Matthew 8:22, uh, paraphrasing, but the verses, uh, so it's a time where Jesus is basically testing the, the discipleship of his followers. And it's kind of, he's in a scenario where they're, he's about to get into a boat. He's leaving kind of this area where he was preaching to people, sharing parables. And he has all these like quote unquote disciples that weren't actually his disciples, uh, come up to him and saying like, like, you know, like, Lord, Lord, like I'll follow you no matter wh- wherever you go. Like I- I'll follow you. Like I'll leave everything behind. And um, he has this verse, again, I'm quoting it, but he says, he says, follow me and, uh, and allow the dead to bury their own dead. And this comes up because there's, there's a, again, a quote unquote disciple that uh, comes to him and says, like, he, he is saying, like, you know, Lord, like, I'll, I'll follow you. And he says, hey, but first let me go bury my dead. And the response to that was, follow me and allow the dead to bury their dead. And I was like, I, I went to read the commentary about that. And one of the things it said was, like, like Jesus is like he is demanding the full attention and commitment of his followers. And, um, it's like, I don't know. There's not, really, I don't want to use the word scary, but that's like, it's big. It's really big time. Like he's saying like a lot of dead to bear their own dead. Like that's quite the attention he's demanding. And it's the same today. Mm-hmm. Like God, you know, he really, he, he desires our full attention. Um, there's a song I've been listening to a lot recently by, by Mac Brock and literally the lines of the bridge is, uh, he, uh, Lord, I give you my full attention. And, uh, just, just like that idea of, again, of being under God's love and his favor, um, and like not missing the good part and like giving him your attention, like really, is really speaking to me. Um, something to think about, something to like really like kind of pause and just like take in, I think. Definitely. You know? Yeah. That's a big one. This is a, a on a similar note a bit, uh, but, there's this quote from With, a book that I'm reading, uh, by Sky Jathani. Yeah. Probably butchering his name, but he says, John Piper captured the problem well. Christ did not die to forgive sinners who go on treasuring anything above seeing and savoring God. And people who would be happy in heaven if Christ were not there will not be there. The gospel is not a way to get people to heaven. It is a way to get people to God. It's a way of overcoming every obstacle to everlasting joy in God. If we don't want God above all things, we have not been converted by the gospel. And that was really, really challenging. And mm-hmm. the reason why I said it was related is because I think it's super easy to, again, like even if you, even if you're doing a good job of like doing your devotions and going to church and like talking to the right people or whatever, it's easy to still be a Martha and just like check the boxes. And, mm-hmm. but like really what you're after should literally be God. Like that is the good part. And I, I bolded the part where he said the gospel is not a way to get people to heaven. It's a way to get people to God because that was like, I don't know. I just, I never really thought about it. I knew that, but I never put it into words like that, that the point isn't just to like be saved. The point is to be with God. And ultimately that's what God is after. It's not just like, Oh no, inconvenience. Like, 
all of humanity is is lost like i need to build a bridge and it's like no we need to be reconciled with god god wants us to be with him and if we don't want that then there's no other way that he can force us to want that so anyways it's just a, like a a mind shift you have to make i've been thinking a lot about um like you know f- I think for most people, it's natural to want to be like with God and connected to God when they have to. And by that, I mean, you know, Mm. with a hard circumstance, um, I don't know, your spouse leaves you, your boyfriend breaks up with you, uh, you're broke, whatever it is, you lose your job. Like times like that is when like we, we want to be like with God and we want to be experiencing his presence and we want to be choosing that good thing. And, you know, you read like these stories in the Bible and we hear about, you know, example after example from people that we know of, uh, like they find God in a time like that. And I've just been thinking a lot about like, God, Mm. like I, I don't, I don't want to let it get to that point for me to want to be with you. You know, like, um, I've had seasons of being like really, really close to God and like, uh, you know, it's me being like vulnerable right now. I'm not saying that I'm not close to God, but you know what I'm saying, right? There's, there are are times when you're just, you're connected and you're really, Uh, you're walking with the spirit and I can, I can say that that's really not where I'm at right now. I'm not saying that I, again, like I, I'm going, I don't say I'm going through emotions, but I'm reading my Bible. I'm, I'm praying. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do these practical things, but like the, the spiritual like bond is, is not where it has been in the past. And so I've just been having this weird feeling of like, when it's a good feeling of like, I really want that. I really want to be connected with God again. I want, I want to feel his closeness and and it shouldn't have to be that like I only want that when times suck. <laughs> and the cool thing is like yeah. right now times don't yeah. suck. Like I'm 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 good. Like I'm uh you know it's not the best, but like you know I'm I'm optimistic. And so it'd be cool to like be close with God while things are really good. You know like just there's hmm. something cool about that. And so, I don't know. I'm kind of like having like this deep like longing for that. Like I like and it's almost I feel like I don't want to say like. You know, yeah kind of like admiration for god isn't it god like like even though this stuff is so good i still really want you and i like you know that is like the the number one thing right like um i, I want to be close and i want to be with you you know so yeah it, it's a weird thing but it it makes more and more sense to me every day why the bible says things like um blessed are those who are poor or meek or mm-hmm. blessed are those who are persecuted because like I said, when you're, when you're in those kind of like low places, it, it is easier to feel like you literally need God more and it's easier to feel closer to God. Mm-hmm. But that's why he also says like, it's easier for uh, a rich man to pass through the eye of a needle or whatever it is um, than for him to, uh, you know, to be with God basically. Because like when times are good, it's actually harder to go back to God. It's harder to feel that connection with God. Yeah. And so, it, but it's like the ultimate Testament. If, if you can, if you really strive for God, you really crave God, you really have a strong connection with God when things are really good, then you know, that's real because even when like you need God, if you're desperate for God, you might be coming for, to him for the wrong reasons. Um, hmm. But it's, it, it's hard, the better life gets. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, I've been I've been feeling that. Um, the last point I I, I really want to share um, was um, I think I read this in a in a book I read recently, but I had it in my notes. But anyway, it was from Exodus 15, and I went and reread it. And the chapter is a lot about um, 
times when the Israelites were, you know, in the desert and wandering. And in this chapter, there's like several different occurrences where they would just stop what they were doing and would spontaneously worship God and have just times of like outcry and praise and worship. And there's one point in this chapter where it was just three days after one of these like worship services they had spontaneously. So it had just been three days and they're walking in the desert and they all start grumbling and complaining about God and how they're, how God's abandoned them and they're not happy with where they're at. And uh, the book kind of emphasized, and, like, the chapter is all about, like, dude, like, just three days after, like, this kind of monumental moment, you're back to, like, the same crap. Like, you you totally forgot about, like, the goodness of God and, like, the miracles that God has done. And I I wanted to share that because I think it's kind of in line with what I'm saying of, like, the point I kind of, we both just acknowledge of, like, it shouldn't take like a really horrible experience in life to bring you close to God. Like you can still be close to God when things are good. So I'm saying that to you right now on, you know, March 3rd at Tuesday night at seven o'clock at night. Right. But you know, <laughs> I guarantee you, Corey come, you know, probably Thursday this week, I'm going to be like mad about something like be grumbling. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like, <laughs> that's kind of what's speaking to me of like, it shouldn't be that way. Like, it really shouldn't. And so, yeah. um, it's, 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 uh, convicting and it's exciting at the same time because it's, just all like good present stuff. And um, again, it reminds me of like the importance of like being like reading, like reading the Bible, like just reading things in general, because it's, it's constantly bringing up these problems. Like I don't, I mean, I remember with Mike, we had Mike on our pod and I asked him, like I said, Mike, you gave off this impression of kind of seeming like you're good. Like you, you seem to like kind of have it together and I kind of know, like you seem secure. And I asked him like how he does that. And his first response was apologizing for giving off that false impression. But (laughs) Um, part of his answer for that was, uh, like by being like constantly surrounded, like by things of God, like by constantly like, reading and refreshing his mind of God's goodness and of God's promises is a big reason why he appears to be steady. Um, and so I just want to share that thought. Yeah, that's a good one. I have two, uh, two more thoughts, both from, um, devotionals. I have one is my utmost for his highest, uh, and it's from February 15th. But just an interesting one. He said, has it ever dawned on you that you are spiritually responsible to God for other people? For instance, if I allow any turning away from God in my private life, everyone around me suffers. And then he quotes 1 Corinthians, uh, where he says, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it, referring to the body of Christ. Um, and he says, why has God left us on earth? Is it, uh, is it simple to be saved? And sa- is it simply to be saved and sanctified? No, it is to be at work in service to him. And Maybe you think like, I don't know, maybe just like a reminder or like kind of like uh, a weightier kind of description of it, but I never really felt a huge spiritual like responsibility for others. But I think especially the way that he frames it of like people really close to you, like your friends and your family, like you are responsible to them because you are close in their life and, um, and you're supposed to be kind of like the salt and the light in their life to them to encourage them and lift them up. And I thought that I was like, wow, that's actually like really, really, really true. And like really convicting too. Cause I don't know if I've thought like a responsibility for like my close friends, my close family and like the people close around me. Um, I just kind of just treated everyone the same, like, well, mm-hmm. but I think there is a, um, a bigger weight to people close to you. Yeah. And second thought is from the imitation of Christ, uh, in, just a, a parting thought. It's fairly simple, but he says, 
If we would overcome one fault a year, we would soon be perfect. But often we find that we were better and pure when we first turned to God than, than after years of supposedly spent in his service. I was like, man, I got another like, convicting one. But uh, I thought the same thing. Like sometimes when you, when I try to do so much, I end up doing nothing. And like, you just want to like fix all the things and do everything all at once, just kind of like knock it out. But if you, he's kind of saying like, hey, if you just work on like one fault a year, like, hey, this year I want to be a better listener. By the end of the year, you would have like sort of mastered that thing. And then like soon after a decade, maybe, uh, which is still like a short amount of time relatively, then, you know, you would be, he said, you'd soon be perfect. Obviously you're not going to be perfect, but like you would have mastery over a lot of these really kind of critical, important skills. And um, I don't know if I've thought about that before of like really taking a long view of like my own sanctification and even just like skill set of like, okay, I'm going to do this one thing here. I'm going to work on this one thing. Um, but I think he's, I think there's something that I think he's right, that that's probably a, the wiser approach. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the idea of, you know, like every day wanting to improve 1%. And normally I hate that. Like I hate when people say yeah. that because I don't believe you actually can like improve 1% every day. Cause if you do the math, like yeah, how not do you very do long like, and you've, you've done well. So, um, but you know, I think, well, whatever, little by little, or, you know, people, my dad talks a lot about like, Hey, have you read, you know, one book a month, like, and you just took one thing away from every single book, like that you actually like honed in and put into practice. Well, that's 12 things a year. If you think of your whole life, whatever. So, and, um, and that's just 12 books a year, which is not a huge number. And so, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I think that, um, but also the flip side of, like we do that and then we think like, Oh, I was better off before. Um, right. Yeah. It's good. Well, I think that's what it means. It's like, he's basically saying, um, like people try to overcome three or five faults mm. a year and then they find that they didn't actually make any progress on those. Mm -hmm. So he's kind of just saying like, Hey, focus and like double down on one thing and just like mm -hmm. do one thing at a time. Um, I've even thought, I've thought the same thing for books specifically, like trying to reread more books. I haven't been able to do that this year. I'm still <laughs> have ambitions to read new <laughs> books and stuff, but um, I think that's why it's also important to like reread things like the Bible. Cause like you just forget and like you need to be reminded. And um, mm -hmm. even if you just took away or like focus on like one, uh, one, one book of the Bible a year and like really went yeah. through it thoroughly, that would still be better than racing through the entire Bible and not taking anything away. Sure. Well, good man. Uh, anything else you had this year? No, uh, I think we wrapped it up. Um, so thanks for listening, everyone. Today, three things you can do to help us support the podcast. One, if you can drop into your podcast player of choice and leave us a review, that would go a long way for us. We love reading them and we super appreciate it. You can leave an extra star if you want to give us five stars plus an emoji star. You can ask a question. You can make a comment. Uh, whatever you'd like to do. have fun with it. Um, you can also share it with a friend. Podcast marketing is super hard and honestly the best way that uh, you can support the podcast and that we will find new listeners is just by you texting it to someone or sharing it on social media. And if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Otherwise, we'll see you in the next one.